It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 117, King Solomon the Wise Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. After Solomon falls in love with the Shulamite and marries the princess of Egypt, he does something quite remarkable. It's like he makes a kingly pilgrimage. It's almost like he wanted to do something grand to honor God. There's no particular reason, maybe it was a festival of sorts, but it was almost as if he wanted to do something like David's grand march to the Ark of the Covenant. He wanted to do something big for God. It appears he planned to march to Gibeon in the location of the original tabernacle and conduct a huge Levitical sacrifice and then return to the tabernacle of David and worship God. This spectacle clearly got God's attention. 1 Kings 3, 4. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. A thousand burnt offerings? Are you crazy? That's wild. So let's get used to it. Solomon will be the most extravagant in quantity of all the kings in his offerings to God. Before we get to Solomon's encounter, I'd like to try to paint a better picture of what could be going on in Solomon's heart. I get the take that Solomon at this point is bearing the weight of the kingship and struggling with the responsibilities, especially related to being the chief judge of the nation. In one of David's final commands, he stated Solomon is still young and even insisted the elders help Solomon with the task of building the temple. But his father also recognized something in his son. When he instructed him in the death of Israel's enemies, he said, You are a man of wisdom. Deal with him according to your wisdom. I see Solomon really loved his father, who took a keen interest in him due to his moral failures earlier, and Bathsheba showed a capable mother for Solomon. And in many of the Psalms, it appears to quote the lessons that David taught Solomon. But at this point, young Solomon was struggling with the task ahead of him, for the people desired Solomon to bring in them justice, and he probably felt overwhelmed. And with this overwhelming heart, Solomon went to Gibeon. Solomon doesn't start the temple project until his fourth year as king. So this appears within the first four years of his kingship. So Solomon has the huge, I mean huge, offerings and sacrifices at Gibeon. After the long day of religious duties, Solomon spends the night in Gibeon and check this out. And don't forget, it all happens at night in a dream encounter experience. 1 Kings 3, 4 The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. 
Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, my Lord God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong, for he was able to govern this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it was a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Freak me out. This was all a dream. So let's start here. Solomon goes to sleep, and God appears to him in a dream. What does that mean? Was it a dream or a vision, night encounter? I had no idea. It just says Solomon was encountered in a dream. Yet in this dream, there was a full dialogue and conversation and blessing imparted by God. I mean, consider what Solomon thought when he awoke in his questions. And he had so many questions in his head. Was that real? Did that really happen? It seemed so real. It was so full of color, but it was a dream. Well, God appeared to Solomon and asked Solomon a question. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. In turn, while still in a dream, Solomon gives a detailed answer, acknowledging God, honoring his father, and he confessed he was only a little child and did not know how to carry out his duties. And this was the exact answer by Solomon. 1 Kings 3, 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. So who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon's specific request was for a discerning heart. The King James Version reads understanding heart. It is clear Solomon needs help governing his people and judging between right and wrong. This was his main concern. Over the millenniums, it's easier for man to say, Solomon asked for wisdom, but I find his request for an understanding heart quite interesting. The word understanding in this case, the actual Hebrew is translated as to hearing or obedient heart. Solomon was actually asking for a hearing heart. That's crazy. He was asking for an early version of Jesus's famous statement that he ends the parables with. He who has eyes to see, see. And he who has ears to hear, hear. Solomon asked God for ears to hear. He asked for ears to hear an obedient heart. He was asking for something no one ever asked for in the Old Testament. And over time, it's been given the label of wisdom because it's easier to understand. But for more precision in your prayer life, try asking God to give you an understanding heart or a hearing heart.
And God's answer, get ready, because it will set the tone of the next mini-podcast. God was pleased with Solomon that his requests were not greedy, but for administering justice. He gave him his heart's desire. In addition, because of God's pleasure, he gave him more. 2 Kings 3.13 Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I give you a long life. All right, so Solomon gets the blessings of a discerning heart and wealth, ridiculous, unbelievable, insane, hard to understand wealth, and honor, so much so that in his lifetime he would have no equal, and for continued faithfulness God would give him a long life. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, let's talk about the practical application of the famous prayer by Solomon. And when I first heard this story as a child, I cried out for wisdom, because this was written way before Aladdin and his three wishes. This is God's famous one-question test, and Solomon passed it with flying colors and received bonus credits for his answer. There has been some criticism by some of Solomon's answer, saying he should have asked God for a heart like his father's for God, for Solomon's heart will drift over time. I believe this is a legitimate statement, and it holds a lot of merit, but I don't totally give over to it because as seen in the Song of Songs, Solomon had passion for God and understood intimacy, but we'll find out later that he just took his other passions too far over his passion for God. Well, I asked for wisdom, and I have asked for wisdom since I was a child. Solomon proves the wisdom in asking for wisdom. All should ask for wisdom. So let's give an American real-life example of praying for God's wisdom. Let's discuss the story of George Washington Carver. About an hour north of here, in southwest Missouri, there is the George Washington Carver National Monument and Park. It's still one of the best-preserved Christian parks in the nation, in my opinion, and it tells of the life of George Washington Carver. Telling the story of George Washington Carver can help us to have an understanding of wisdom and how this moment with Solomon can apply to you and me. George Washington Carver was born the son of a slave in 1864 during the American Civil War. He was orphaned as a baby, and when slavery was abolished the following year, Moses and Susan Carver raised George and his brother as their own. He was taught to read and write, and later attended various schools and colleges, eventually earning a master's degree from Iowa State University. From here, he was recruited and served on the faculty at Tuskegee University in Alabama, teaching sustainable farming. He had a passion for agriculture and had a love affair with God and his creation. Being in the deep, impoverished South after the Civil War in the Reconstruction time period, Carver wanted to do all he could do to help his fellow African Americans. Noticing the horrible effect cotton had on the soil, he researched and studied crops that could be sustainable and grown successfully in the Deep South. The result of Carver's work was his voluminous works on the uses of the peanut, and he did further works on the uses of the sweet potato and other crops. He became world famous for his works on botany and agriculture, 
World leaders like Gandhi and Stalin sought his advice. Thomas Edison and Ford offered him astounding amounts of money to work for them, but he refused, preferring to work in his laboratory at the university, which he labeled God's workshop. Carver was such a devoted believer in God, the National Museum houses his personal Bible and his prayers, and there's a nature walk which tells the story of his salvation. One of his stories has always captivated me. I haven't been able to confirm these exact words from correspondence or documents, but it's quoted quite often by pastors. But from what I've learned about this man of God, it is clearly something that he could have easily said. Here it is. It is reported that once Carver prayed, Mr. Creator, show me the secrets of your universe. Little man, you're not big enough to know the secrets of my universe. But I'll show you the secrets of the peanut, was the reply. From this point, Carver became the world-renowned expert in the peanut, which revolutionized parts of the South and helped them to get out of the hard Reconstruction time period. In 1941, Time magazine called him the Black Leonardo, as he uncovered over 300 uses for the peanut, including various kinds of foods, oil, paint, ink, soap, shampoo, facial cream, plastics, and many other products. Later, Carver went on to document 115 products that were developed from the sweet potato, including flour, starch, and synthetic rubber, and lash, and he unlocked some of the potential the soybean and the pecan. He believed in the holistic integration of faith and God and science. Though highly educated, his testimony on many occasions, including before a congressional committee, was that his faith in Jesus Christ was the only way in which he could effectively pursue the art of science. I love the story of him before Congress. On January 21st, 1921, Carver addressed the U.S. House Ways and Means Committee on behalf of the Peanut Growers Association to improve the Southern economy. He was given 10 minutes, but it went over two hours. Here's an excerpt. It begins with a quote from Carver. If you go to the first chapter of Genesis, we can interpret very clearly. I think what God intended when he said, Behold, I have given you every herb that bears seed. To you it shall be meat. This is what he means about it. It shall be meat. There is everything there to strengthen and nourish and keep the body alive and healthy. After two hours, the chairman said, How did you learn all of these things? Carver answered, From an old book. What book? asked the chairman. The Bible, Carver answered. The chairman inquired, About peanuts? No, sir. Carver replied, it tells about the God who made the peanut, and I asked him to show me what to do with the peanut, and he did. I personally love the story of Carver because it's an example of a personal application of Solomon's prayer and how it impacted a Christian inventor, and his prayer can be our prayer as well. If Solomon can ask for a hearing heart or wisdom in the time of the Old Testament, how much greater is our request for wisdom for the Holy Spirit, which makes its home within us? I remember in one of my times with God when I prayed for wisdom, and I had an immediate thought out of the blue, and the thought was, be specific. God was telling me, it seemed, like Carver, all wisdom's too much for you. Be specific in your prayer. Where do you need wisdom? 
Last spring, I taught a class at Ecclesia Prep on biblical history, and when we covered Solomon's moment of wisdom, one of the students taught me something quite profound. And when the next test came, I had the students answer a question with the personal application. The question was, if God encountered you like he did with Solomon and came to you and asked you to request of him anything, what would you ask for? One of the students' answers was so profound it took me off guard. His answer was, he wouldn't ask for wisdom because we in the new covenant already have the Holy Spirit and whom dwells all secrets and wisdom and knowledge inside of us. While Solomon had to ask for this, we do not. All we have to do is be specific and pray James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Instead, he said he would do something crazy, like ask for the ability to transport himself like Philip so that he could be a missionary without the extensive travel almost like some form of missionary adventures and odyssey. Imagine my awe, what this student understood about wisdom. All we need is humility and a prayer life, and we can have all the wisdom we need to do what God has called us to do. God wants us to succeed in all that we do, and he has wisdom enough for all. Simply put, God has an answer to every question if we just ask. Cry out to God for wisdom. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a temporary thing. It's a growth thing. It's a maturity thing. In all that you do, cry out to God to have greater wisdom and understanding and knowledge and insight so that you can fulfill the purpose He has for you. Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. Don't ever stop asking God to grow and expand your capacity and give you greater wisdom. And like Jeremiah prophesied to all who would listen, call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You and I and all who have a relationship with Jesus can pray to the all-knowing God, and he will teach us, reveal to us, or just simply impart to us great and mighty things and reveal his secrets to those he loves. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we see what Solomon does with this wisdom. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.